Befriend Your Body podcast, to feel or not to feel, and how to deal. Hello, Gia. Hi, Wanda. So we're going to keep talking about embodied living and experiencing our emotions and sensations today. I'm curious for my listeners uh, what you've noticed after listening to the contents of the last podcast that we dropped. There, we talked a lot about emotion, sensation, and living embodied. My conclusion, if you recall from that podcast, was that living embodied, like actually in our bodies, feeling our life through our bodies, um, rather than just being in our heads, kind of walking around, uh, helps us much better handle our emotional storms, makes life feel better, and allows us to deal with stress and struggles much better, hence the title. If you didn't get to listen to that podcast, you might want to go back and listen to that one before listening to this one. It will make more sense. So I would say living embodied is our birthright as a human being and something infants and little children do really, really well. If you want to learn more about living embodied with openness and curiosity, watch a child for, you know, more than five minutes. Like watch, you know, watch your children or your nieces and nephews or other people's children um, for, you know, you know, a little bit of time to really like watch how they experience life. You'll probably learn a lot more from watching a child um, live in her, his or her body than just from the few words that I'm going to say today. What do you mean with uh, watching the child? What actually will I notice? Okay. So what I would say is the, one of the many differences between grown-ups and children, besides the size and our cognitive abilities, are that grown-ups tend... I'm generalizing, but grown-ups tend to spend very little time actually in their human body experiencing everyday life and every situation through their bodies. We tend, as human beings, I'll speak for myself, something I'm always working on, to be experiencing life through our minds. And when I'm in a situation, um, like when I'm swimming, and and I love to swim even though I'm not very good at it, but I have to really fight because my mind will go like, oh, this is what I'm going to do next. And I'll just start thinking about things rather than actually being in my body, feeling the cool of the water and the pool of my hands and the gentle burn in my muscles and the, the how good it feels to my body to be held by the water. Like to really have an embodied experience, I'm actually feeling all the sensations and the, the, the life connections of, of what I'm doing rather than in my mind somewhere else. And so children, what I have seen anyway from my nieces and nephews and many friends' children, are that they're not in their heads thinking about what's next. They're actually in their bodies having a great time. That's often why they don't mind getting filthy, you know, jumping in mud puddles, digging up the dirt. Um, you know, they, they often don't even notice necessarily when they're really cold, like you can watch a child swimming, you know, and their lips are blue, but they're having such a great time that they, they're just feeling the goodness of that. And so they can just sort of ignore the temperature. So I don't know. Is that yeah, what you're looking sense. for? No, and I, I was just uh, wondering if that could be related because those experiences are often new to them or, uh, hmm. or, or it's just because they actually truly are enjoying every moment with their bodies and because that's something that I would I wish I was doing then well that's a great thought actually you, I, I'm sure you're partly right that the newness of it does make it a little easier to really experience because often when we're doing something new if we're not riddled by anxiety and stress and freaking out about it 
when we're doing something new, we really do usually experience it a little better. So it might somewhat be that because life is new to them and they're not jaded. But I think also part of it is because, you know, their neocortexes are, are, you know, not near as developed as ours. You know, the brain develops as we grow and it's not fully developed in, in, a, in a human being until age 25, 26. So, you know, they have a lot more of the, the lower brain regions, which are connected to sensation and emotion and less of the sort of the, the cognitive, you know, sort of the thinking brain, if you will, the neocortex, the rational, logical brain. Now, again, we don't really know from research where the mind is actually located in the brain, but um, we know that rational logic planning, etc., is in the neocortex. And so it might be partly that, but I think partly it's just because they're, they're not as defended as mm-hmm. we are. Like, I think living in our heads is a way to defend yeah. against living in the life because life is full of sensation and anxiety and goodness and and um you know i can sort of dampen the intensity of my feelings when i'm in my head so that's my Mm -hmm. guess but yeah sure makes sense thank you yeah so i would suggest that when we learn how to live embodied again being aware of the sensations and messages from our body as we're in any situation we're getting information from the outside and then also how is our body experiencing it and then listening to the those sensations and messages from the body and then responding appropriately that's a long definition of living embodied you also when you do that you often begin to notice the emotions you're experiencing when they're small and much more manageable than you know what, what we typically do is sort of live in our heads kind of you know sort of skate through life kind of you know thinking and and sort of planning and stressing um and then you know we don't necessarily notice that that thing that coworker said about five hours ago really like first I felt the pain of it and then I felt angry at her or him but I'm so busy in my head that I'm I just and I don't like feeling angry so I just kind of ignore it mm-hmm. but emotions don't tend to just at least the bigger ones don't tend to go away because you ignore them and so and then if I don't pay attention and it gets really big, then I would be more likely to re, you know, knee-jerk react unkindly rather than being able to, if I notice it when it's small, before it gets really big and right away I can think, okay, what do I want to do? And then do, yeah, exactly. So um, that's, that's one of the benefits uh, of living in body is that emotions are a little easier to deal with. I think, you know, thank goodness we're becoming more aware of emotional intelligence and there's a lot more books written about it and people are starting to understand like, oh, like understanding and and knowing how to regulate and express emotions is a really critical part of being a grown-up and a healthy, successful adult. I won't name names, but I'm sure we could identify with some political figures that we see, um, you know, in any country pretty much, but especially ours that uh, really don't have much emotional intelligence. Um, and, you know, that's something that we can learn as we go. When you first begin listening to your sensations and become, you know, more embodied, you might not know how to respond appropriately right away. Like, sometimes we don't know. But if you keep listening, generally your body will teach you what you need to know and, and what it, that part of you wants to do about the situation. Every human body has an amazing intelligence built within it, just in our genes and DNA. If you don't believe me, ask yourself, why do our wounds always heal themselves as long as we create the right conditions? We clean them, we disinfect them, we sew them up if we need to. If we do and create the right conditions, 
you know, for a, a wound or an injury, the body heals itself, right? So we do have that intelligence within. It's just when we get kind of chronically, cognitively in our head, we often get in thought loops and then we can't actually listen to the body. It's very hard to listen to both the screaming voice of stress and anxiety in our minds and the voice of our body, which I think is often quieter um, at the same time. Uh, when we allow our sensations and feelings into our awareness immediately, we can metabolize them, so to speak, so much quicker so they don't build up in our bodies. It's sort of a silly analogy, but it's kind of like our digestive system metabolizes a big meal. If I ate a big meal, like we had we had a lunch mm-hmm. together recently, and, and it, was, it was great. It was mm-hmm. healthy, but it was a lot of food. And so um, our bodies are, you know, after lunch, we're busy breaking that food down into um, different life force energies so that we can use it to, you know, live and move through. Well, now that that airplane is gone, we can start again. <laughs> Living near the uh, base, I guess uh, you get a lot of airplanes going over. often. Yes. So back to metabolizing emotions just like a meal. So think about when you have a big emotion, get really, really angry, really, really scared, or really, really sad. That's a lot of energy, a lot of force in our bodies, a lot of intensity that catches our attention. So one of the ways to allow them to pass through without causing great havoc and, and a mess in our lives or causing us to really knee-jerk and respond inappropriately is to think about using the two E's, as I call them. Um, I would say the first E is experiencing and the second E is expressing. So for instance, if I somebody does something and I f- makes me really, I get hurt and then I feel angry, my first thing to do to help metabolize this down into a manageable level so I know what to do is to, ex- to actually acknowledge that I'm experiencing that anger doesn't mean I have to say anything to the person necessarily, but I just stop and I, and I notice, you know, with my mind and body, what I'm feeling inside. And I'm able maybe even say to myself inside, wow, that hurt my feelings. And now I'm really angry. I'm actually acknowledging an experience because often we live in our heads. We just don't even acknowledge that that's Mm -hmm. going on. And then it doesn't allow any breakdown of the emotion. It just sort of circulates in our body. So we experience our emotion in our physiology and our body, and we can do this by awareness and attention. So we notice it, we're honest about what we're feeling internally. So that's the the first experience, yes. Speaking of experience, I have a warm purring kitty underneath my chair. That's a lovely, that helps metabolize upsetting emotions. Sorry, back to the blog. So the next thing is also then, once I experience it, then the next E is expression. So I stop and I check in and I ask myself internally, okay, how do I want to express this hurt and anger? Is this something that I need to say to this coworker or colleague? Do I need to have a confrontation, respectful, but frust- like let them know how I feel? Or is it something that I just maybe need to write, look, sort of do some journaling about and sort of let it pass through? Or, you know, sometimes I need to go talk to my therapist or a friend. Like, what do I want to do with the energy and the sensation that came up with this situation flash emotion in order to break it down? And then how do I want to express it? When we do utilize the two E's, experiencing and expressing, most emotions will pass on through our mind and body fairly quickly, like a wave moves through the ocean and then returns to the body of the sea. This may seem really hard, or it might be a really big challenge when you first try it, 
But like anything else, I would say, it's certainly for me, it gets much easier with time and practice. And would you say that once you experience the same type of feeling, um, you kind of get used to knowing what would, what would be your, your expression or how you would deal with that mm. after you do that a few times? I maybe not right because for instance it, I mean maybe but for instance if a if a coworker does something that hurts my feelings if a boss does something that hurts my feelings or if my partner does something that hurts my feelings I have three different, different levels yeah I have three different relationships so I may respond differently but I would say the experiencing is very similar I can learn how to experience and go oh yeah here's here's that fem- here's the sensation mm-hmm. So the experiencing might be very much the same with a similar big emotion, but the expression may be very different. And mm-hmm. also, by the way, you know, some days we're not at our best. Some days mm-hmm. we didn't sleep well or, you know, we have a more of a moody or things are going on or we're fighting with our spouse or whatever. And so we have a less of a, our, our trigger is kind of mm-hmm. more, you know, hair trigger. And so even if we're trying to be healthy, we may experience, I mean, experience and express, and express it mm-hmm. differently because mm-hmm. we're, we're not quite as composed, yeah. you know, as we are. That's why in really high stress times, a lot of people, you know, if when they fight, they might say really mean things to each other that they would never say when they're calm. Mm-hmm. Because when we get really angry and upset and stressed, we often sort of lose our neocortex. And so we're responding more primitively out of our lower brain regions. But that's a really good question. So I would say this week, spend some time maybe relearning, if you have forgotten, your body's language of sensation and emotion. Maybe notice how your throat or chest or belly or hips, pelvic area responds to uncomfortable experiences. We, we, by the way, we do feel things in other places than those, but most people report that you know big emotions are kind of felt in the core. Uh, and then also notice how that same region might react when things go really well or you feel deeply loved or cared about from a loved one or something really good happens in your life or you look down and see a warm purring kitten and you can't wait to pet her and you just feel that goodness of the connection of you know life and care. Um, so just really kind of practicing, noticing how you feel things in your body. Uh, one, I would say a big additional benefit of learning to live more embodied is that your emotional range will begin to expand, right? Some of us have, you know, only feel like two emotions or mm-hmm. allow ourselves to feel two emotions. But instead of just feeling the primary emotions of mad, sad, glad, and scared, right, as you begin to be more embodied, you will maybe begin to experience and feel more nuanced or other more subtle but very important emotional experiences like all or or compassion or you know my my mind is blank right now but there's mm-hmm. many other emotions that are very beautiful and powerful that aren't just the you know, the big four having a larger emotional range also brings more exquisite experiences to your life and to your body as you know you know you're starting you're a painter now when a painter has only access to just a few primary colors they can absolutely make beauty but imagine when a painter has a range of you know 20 or 30 different mm-hmm. colors then the painting just becomes more vibrant and expressive mm-hmm. that's a great example yeah i thought you would like it because you're a painter you now you do have great examples yes Well, so before we go, we're going to do our going deeper question for those of you who like to dialogue internally with the material a little more. Um, maybe do you remember how your parents dealt with their emotions when you were a small child? 
Or do you remember what emotions were you allowed to express in your home growing up? And maybe which ones were outlawed or not allowed? Some families really just certain emotions are just not allowed in the house. And then this week, try to notice, do you handle your emotion in the similar way that it was handled when you were a child? Or have you learned how to take a different path? So... So that's it for part two to feel or not to feel and how to deal. Uh, As always, if you have any questions, please contact me on my contact page. And if you want a podcast about a subject, please write in and we will make one. So thank you for listening and thank you, Gio. Thank you, Wanda. Have a wonderful day.